Welcome to the fourth message from Psalm 107. Today, Pastor Tim will be sharing a message from verse 23 through 32. God finds the patriots. Pastor Tim states, the U.S. Navy used to recruit sailors with the line. It's not just a job, it's an adventure. That is true of the sailors we meet in this passage today. True patriots. Here's Pastor Tim. Hey, good morning and welcome to the 4th of July. Boy, it looks like 4th of July around here too, doesn't it? I want to say thank you to those who helped decorate today and get us ready as we celebrate the independence of our nation. I feel like I should be um, announcing my candidacy (laughs) to to something, but instead I've got something better than that. Hope you have your Bible today. Take it, turn with me once again to Psalm number 107. Psalm 107, we have been looking now at this passage for now the fourth week as we look at the four different groups of people that the Bible mentions that are in great, severe need in this passage. And in fact, we can find ourselves maybe in each one of those four groups or maybe just one of those groups in particular. I mentioned to you as we've gone along that verses 1, 2, and 3 are more than just an introduction. Verses 1, 2, and 3 serve more as like an umbrella over the rest of these sections so that verses 1 through 3 fit with the first section and then again with the second and then again with the third and then again where we are today with the fourth. So let's look back to verse number 1 for just a moment. The Bible says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his mercy endures forever. It's a good and gentle reminder to us that God is a good God. It is a good and gentle reminder to us that God is a merciful God. And he treats us with goodness and with mercy. In fact, verse number 2 says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them say so. Those who have tasted of his goodness, those who have tasted of his mercy, let them say so. Who? Notice what he says. Those whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and has gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. So it doesn't really matter who you are. It doesn't even matter where you're from. If you have experienced the goodness and mercy of God, then we are to say so. You know, we began this series with me asking a question to you in the congregation. And I asked this, is there anybody in here who can affirm the truth that God is good? Well, is there? Is there anybody in here who can affirm the truth that God is good? Is there anybody in here who can affirm the truth that God is merciful? Then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let us tell others, let us give him great thanks for his worth and for his value. And we've seen that with each one of these groups of people. We've seen a group of people whom we call the poor. And we discovered in that passage that God feeds the poor. And then we found a group of people that we call the prisoners. And we saw that God frees the prisoners. And then last week, we looked at a group whom we called the profane We discovered that God forgives even the profane person. Today, we look at a people that we appropriately call the patriots. The patriots. And I want you to see in this passage today what God does for those people who find themselves in this fourth and final category. 
Now, I need to tell you this. This fourth category is different than all of the three that preceded it. All three. I mean, now, the, 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 the other three groups, for the most part, have, have found themselves in their circumstances by their own doing. I mean, it's been their own hand that has caused them to be in the trouble that they're in. That's not the case necessarily with this group. In fact, you're going to discover that this is a group of people who are exactly where they're supposed to be, doing exactly what they're supposed to do, and yet still find themselves in grave danger. Now, I know that there's some who will say, well, if you're walking with the Lord, if you're where you're supposed to be, if you're doing what you're supposed to be, then only good things are going to come. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, in this world, you, and he's talking to his disciples, right? He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. (laughs) I have overcome the world. That's the message for you today. Now, as we've looked at each one of these groups, we've asked the same pair of questions. Same pair of questions. Those same questions are the same questions that we're going to ask today. So here's the first question. Who are these people? I mean, who are these people? And I mean, I know that we're calling them the patriots, but really, who are they? Now, I call them patriots, and I'm thinking about those who have served in our armed forces. And here at Brit David, we have people who have served in each one of those branches. We have people who have served in the Army, in the Navy, in the Air Force, the Marines, and the Coast Guard. And we want to say a great big thank you to those who have served in that area, for those that have both secured and those who have preserved our freedoms. I mean, we, we meet together today in freedom because of the sacrifices that have been made by those that have gone before us. And so we have to be able to say thank you to that group. Now, I don't want to isolate one of those branches above another, and I certainly don't want to say that one is more important or one is least important. But when we come to our passage today, you're really going to find that we're focusing today on the Navy, the Navy and the Coast Guard. I think about David Garner. I, I, think, about, um, I think about Chris West. I think about Mac McGowan. Um, I, I think about a number of people who have served in the Navy and who have served in the Coast Guard right here in our fellowship. And so this message may have a little bit of a special Uh, touch for people just like that. Well, let's get into it today. Who are these people? There are three different things that the Bible says about them, and I want you to take note of this, that only one of those three is what has them being written about today. Only one of those three had them in this deep and great and terrible trouble. So who are they? Number one, I want you to see that the patriots are sailors. The patriots are sailors. Look, if you will, in verse number 23. That's where we begin today. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters. Now, maybe their business is to be a merchant. Maybe their business is more military. Either way, they're maritime, aren't they? Either way, they are on the boats, they are in the sea, they are where they are supposed to be. That's who these sailors are. It's, a, it's being aboard the ship, and it's that ship being at sea. It's where this group does their 
business. And the business of the Navy, the business of the U.S. Navy, is our country's mission. Former President George Bush said, The United States Navy carries the might and the mission of America to the farthest parts of the world. That's what they do. You know, they used to say it's not just a job. It's an adventure. You know, they're going everywhere spreading American ideals around the rest of the world. Now, some may object to that and say, well, we don't have any business taking American ideals to different parts of the world. In fact, that may, uh, that may stir up people in an, in an angry manner to know that the Navy is out there. Teddy Roosevelt answered that question. Teddy Roosevelt said, a good Navy is not a provocation to war. It is the surest guarantee of peace. And so we applaud and we thank those sailors that have sailed in the Navy and in the Coast Guard. So the Patriots, who are they? Number one, they are sailors. Number two, they are spectators. They're spectators. Look, if you will, in verse number 24. The Bible says, They see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. Those who are aboard ship, are an audience to God's handiwork that other people just simply don't get to see. Uh, There are storms and calm. There's gentle breeze and there are water spout making gales. There is a cloudless sky that reveals uh, deep blue sea as far as you can see. And then there is, uh, you know, a a red sky at night. (laughs) The sailors delight or worse, a red sky in the morning. Sailors take warning, right? They get to see all of that. They get to a front row seat, if you will, to what he refers to as his wonders of the deep or his wonders in the deep. I think that that's a specific reference to some of the most spectacular creatures that God has created. I want you to turn your attention to the screens for just a moment. I want to show you some of God's most unique and spectacular creatures that he's placed in our oceans. This first one is called a feather star. A feather star. He, he uses those feathers, if we can call them that, to, to wave about and move himself across the ocean floor. I mean, he really does kind of look like a star. He looks like he belongs in outer space. I told somebody, he looks like a screensaver for your computer is what he really looks like to me. Look at this second one. He's called Glaucus Atlanticus. Guess which ocean he's in. Sometimes he's called the Blue Dragon. The Blue Dragon is a stinger. He's one, he'll he'll sneak up on you and he'll get you, you know. But, But he floats upside down on the surface of the water. And the reason is this, so that if you're looking from above, all that you see is his blue belly blending in with the water. And then if you're looking from below, his silvery blue back blends in with the shimmering light that's coming in from above. It's an amazing creature. Look at this third one. The third one is called the leafy sea dragon. It's easy to see why they named him that, didn't it? They didn't have to get too terribly creative with his names. I mean, he resembles a seahorse. He kind of looks like that. But he really does look like a plant, doesn't he? I mean, he looks like a floating piece of seaweed. And yet God has given him 
real life. Now this last one, I think has my favorite name of them all. He's called the sarcastic fringe head. <laughs> the, the sarcastic fringe head. It sounds like a middle schooler discovered him and named him that, you know. The, the sarcastic fringe head is aggressive. He is strong, he is dominant, and he uses this humongous mouth to open up because if another fringe head happens to come along, he just simply wants to scare him off. Listen, it is the sailor, it is the spectator in the sailor who gets a front row seat to the majesty of God's creation. Most of these creatures would go unseen, unknown, and would not have their chance to glorify God among people without sailors being there to see them. Now listen, these sailors or these patriots, they're not in deep trouble because they're sailors. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just who they are. They are not in deep trouble because they are spectators, because of the things that they get to see out on the ocean. That's not why they're in deep trouble. They're in deep trouble because of number three. The patriots are scared. The patriots are scared. There's, these next three verses really begin to show us that clearly. Look, if you will, beginning in verse number 25, we get to see the other side of this magnificent, beautiful sea, this great, magnificent creation of God. And what, what I really get to see is, is that in the same way that God is in control of the good and of the beautiful, God is in control of those things that terrify us as well. Look, if you will, there, verse number 25. It says, for he, he's talking about God, right? For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. So who is it that is stirring the sea about? It's not just the position of the moon. It's not just our tides. It is God's handiwork. God is stirring up those waters. Jesus' disciples were astounded that he had command over the wind and the waves. That's what we see here in Psalm 107. That God is clearly exercising his command by stirring up the sea. Those ships and the sailors alike are going to be pummeled by the wind and by the waves. They're, they're going to be tossed up into the heavens, you know, when the waves come up high. And then they're going to come crashing down. Below. That's what he has to say there as he, as he continues to say. He says, they mount up to the heavens. They go down again into the depths. And then notice what it says at the end of verse number 26. Their soul melts because of trouble. If you're reading from an NIV, I kind of like the way it says. It says their courage was melting away in anguish. In anguish, it was their trouble that was leading them to a point of losing all of their courage where their heart is melting. In other words, they are in a panic. You remember the disciples when the Bible says that that storm came up on the Sea of Galilee and they were straining at rowing? That's these people. They are panicked and doing anything and everything that they know how to do in the midst of this kind of storm. 
And look what the result is. The result in Psalm 107 is not a whole lot different than the result in the Gospels. Look, if you will, verse number 27. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. In other words, there's no sure footing. There's no stability. They are rocking out of control. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what it would be like to be on that kind of ship? I mean, these guys had seen it before, haven't they? They've seen the, they've seen the waves come crashing in and suddenly just take everything that's a, aboard that ship and just sweep it off into the ocean. Uh, they've seen those waves come crashing and they see hulls and masts and sails and rudders all be irreparably destroyed because of the damage that they're taking. They, they have seen men, fellow sailors, standing aboard ship and simply be swept out to sea, likely never to be seen again. Uh, that, that has to be terrifying. The prospect of that has to be terrifying. No wonder they're scared. I mean, the threat of being lost at sea, you know, miles and miles and miles of ocean, and you're just that tiny little dot that rescuers are going to have a hard time seeing from a boat or even from an airplane. It's... Uh, it's enough to keep me out of the Navy, <laughs> you know, that's for sure. And when I hear stories like Mac has shown, shared with us before about his ship being torpedoed in World War II and them having to abandon ship and swim over to their rescue boats only to hear pot shots being taken by rifles by their own men and then finding out later they're not shooting at the men who are swimming, they're shooting at the sharks that are swimming around the men trying to be rescued. I mean, those sharks, are, those sharks were looking for a Big Mac. <laughs> a, a yummy Big Mac McGowan. That's what they were looking for. You know, it's, it's frightening. It's frightening. Pastor Tim reminds us, in the same way that God is in control of the good and the beautiful, God is in control of the things that terrify us. Join us for part two of Pastor Tim's message as he shares with us the fourfold process of God's remedy to the things that terrify us. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.